I can't believe I'm actually saying this. Welcome to Kind of Funny Space Jam in Review. When we started in review so many moons ago for MCU in Review, I never thought it would get here. And I definitely never thought it would be with this beautiful group of gentlemen. Of course, I'm Tim Geddes, and I'm joined by Blessing Adeoye Jr. I'm very excited to be here, Tim. I'm very excited. I am excited to have you, and I'm also excited to have making his in-review debut, Snow Bike Mike. Tim, I'm so excited to be here and talk about Basketball Jones. You know what? If we're going to be talking about a classic, we got to bring some in-review classics back. So, of course, we got Andy Cortez. Tim, can you ask me if I'm excited? Are you excited, Andy? Thank you, thank you, thank you, yeah! Oh, my God, that was good. Nick, you better have something really good planned. The producer slash producer, Nick Scarpino. Guys, I believe I can fly. <laughs> there we go, everybody. This is Space Jam in Review, where we will be ranking and reviewing Space Jam and Space Jam, a new legacy when it comes out later this week, if you are watching as it is posted and not live. But this is in review where each and every week we rank and review two different movie franchises. You can watch live as we record it, just like our Patreon producer Molecule can do by going to patreon.com slash kind of funny. And you also get the show ad free. But if you don't want to do any of that, if you want the show free, that's cool. YouTube.com slash kind of funny roosterteeth.com or search your favorite podcast service for kind of funny in review we got a whole bunch of other cool stuff coming as well uh we've been going back to the mcu in review where it all began we got loki coming up loki in review we got black widow in review really 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 cool stuff but today we are talking about space jam with a runtime of one hour and 28 minutes released on november 15th 1996 which made it the perfect era for most of us, Nick, I don't know what your experience was with, uh, with this movie. If you saw it in theaters, did you? I did. Yeah, I saw it in theaters. Uh, I don't actually think I've seen it since I thought, saw it in theaters, which is crazy. So I think this might be my second time ever watching this film. That is fantastic. This was the first book that I ever read by choice from front to back. Space Jam, the novelization. What's up, Nick? Was it also the last book you ever read by, by you know choice? What? You know what? <laughs> no, because this was the Goosebumps and Animorphs era. Right, like, there was right, a lot right, of good right. stuff going on. Damn, I don't know that ever, anything ever hit the highs of Space Jam, the novelization, though. What's up, Andy? What sort of uh, stuff did they cut from the novelization that, did, that didn't make the... Like, did we get a Tom Bombadil moment? Like in Lord Michael of the Jordan dies. That is, a, <laughs> that is a fantastic, fantastic question, Andy, that I can't answer myself. We're going to need to bring in some help. Uh, the one and only Matt Batson is is a, a self-credited Space Jam expert, and he has created a segment called the Matt Bats in Space Jam Game Plan. Andy, hit the theme song. <clears throat> Space Jam Game Plan. It's time for the Space Jam Game Plan. Get ready to hear more about Space Jam. Lots to learn and more to explore. I hope you're ready for Facts Galore. It's the Space Jam game plan. Take it away, Tim. It's you, Tim. By the way, oh. big fan of uh, big fan of all of the all of you, all this and uh, Space Jam. Have a good day. Thank you, Matt. 
Biggest fan of Space Jam, I know. Uh, He writes in with a whole bunch of facts. I will link in the description of this video a post he did on our subreddit with a ton of facts about Space Jam. Dare I say, too many facts about Space Jam. So we're going to pick some of the highlights here, including one about the changes from the novelization, Andy. In the novelization of the film, Roadrunner subs in to save the game for the Toon Squad instead of Bill Murray. Mom, he would have been my first. He would have been my first go to, by the way. Roadrunner, very, very, very fast. Mm -hmm. I'm not quite sure why they didn't automatically put him and Wile E. Coyote uh, in the mix because Wile E. Coyote can can run and the Tasmanian Devil, but he was in the game. I I do want to also submit that um, for this fact section, I know that, you know, Matt Babson has this great theme song, great plan and and title. Uh, Mike, what do you think about this name? Hack a fact. Hack a fact. Not bad, like hack a shack. I like that. Yeah, I like that. I don't like that. Mainstream appeal. If y'all don't know, Shaq can't shoot free throws. So whenever the team needed to like get him to send him to the line to shoot free throws badly, they get the ball back. It's called the hack a shack plan. But I think hack a fact works right here. Let's go on. Nick, have you ever heard anything cooler than send him to the line? It sounds scary. It sounds like people are going to rely on you and I'm going to fail. That's what it sounds like. <laughs> it sounds like it sounds like when Mike and I are playing Warzone and I'm the last person left and it's like 1v1. I'm like, I'm going to drop the ball so hard on this. And then I die in the gas. You get that joke if you play Warzone. So this was released November 15th, 1996, which was right at the birth of the Internet. I would say Web 1.0 around there. And up until a few months ago, SpaceJam.com was untouched. It was the original website that you could go to. It looked like a ridiculous old school GeoCities Angel Fire type thing. And it is very sad that it has been updated to now be a Space Jam new legacy site. But you know what? All good things have to come to an end uh this movie was directed by joe pitka now every week when we do this show i look at wikipedia and i read some facts about the the director usually it's like oh they directed this or that whatever this motherfucker has the coolest description of all goddamn time joe pitka holds the record for the most nominations for the director's guild of america award for outstanding director for commercials pitka has over 50 pieces of his work in the permanent collection in new york's museum of modern art Holy shit. That's has directed over 80 Super Bowl commercials and won the USA Today Super Bowl ad meter poll seven times. That's cool. His commercial for Pepsi security camera was chosen as the best commercial ever in history. Hell (laughs) yeah. Well, but does it have 75 million views on on YouTube? (laughs) That's a good question. That's that's my question for you. Um, one thing I thought you were going to say, Tim, was that mm-hmm. Joe Pitka has never done anything else, only Space Jam. <laughs> I, thought, I thought that's what you were, I thought you were going to go like this. His well, description said, I directed Space Jam. That's it. <laughs> and yeah. just one credit on IMDb. I will say uh, he has uh, all of the things in the, 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 you know, 50 pieces of work in the Museum of Modern Art. I cannot confirm or deny that Space Jam is one of them. So we can only hope. Uh, he also made a commercial for Nike called Hair Jordan which was developed into the hit film Space Jam. I don't know if you remember this. This was back in 93. It was Bugs Bunny hanging out with Michael Jordan and all that. Oh, that's cool. So they, yeah. they saw that and were like, hey, there's some magic here. Let's, let's that capitalize magic? off that this. Magic? That's now, really cool. here's the deal. This man is 82 years old. Now, I'm going to show you a picture of him. He's not quite 82 here. But Barrett, can you please He's show amazing. a picture of this legend, Joe Pitka? 
Holy oh shit. Oh, okay. Would y'all motherfuckers believe this is him when he was 72 years old? No, <laughs> no, no, no. 72, no. dude. Hell this yes. was taken in 2012. Mike, no fucking way. get off your yeah. duff, man. Get the off man your duff and start living. It. Look, at his IM, look at his IMDb page uh, profile picture. He looks, this is unbelievable, Barrett. I'm going to send this to you right this, now. Yeah, photo, send it to me. But also, like, are you sure this, are, are you sure this wasn't uploaded in 2012? Because it looks like it's, like, kind of, like, photocopied copy to upload. Because I kind of see, like, wrinkles and, like. This photo this looks like, seem it like it was taken, taken in 1968. And there's, yeah. like, I want to man, ooh, the red, white, and blue. Like, this looks like a Vietnam yeah. photo, yeah. like, era style, you know? Look, Barrett. man. I'm just going with the facts that are delivered. He's going to with me. the facts. I slapped you. I slapped you the image well, of this man's amazing profile facts. picture. Here, we're gonna hack facts. 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 Oh my god. Oh wow. Okay. Didn't that's know he was Michael Rucker in Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> who it is. That's exactly who it is. Now, if I'm not mistaken, did you say did you already say who produced this movie? No, I I didn't go for it, Nick. Oh, I think it's Ivan Reitman, right? Oh yes, it is. Which yeah. is a, a reference. This is another Space Jam game plan fact here. Uh, when Bill Murray comes to save them at the end, and it's hella random. And it's like, how the fuck did Bill Murray get into this cartoon world? And he's like, I call him the producer. <laughs> uh, I'm friends with the producer. It's because of uh, Ghostbusters and all that. Yeah, because he's friends with Ivan Reitman. That's hilarious. Yeah. I will say, Bill Murray, best part of this film, just hamming it up. Doing the, the Bill Murray improv, <laughs> loving everything that he does in this movie, hundred percent. But like, there's no reason to be in this movie. Zero yeah. no reason to be in this no movie. Tears. Uh, I would disagree with you, Nick, that he's the best part of this movie for one simple reason. The music. The music is by James Newton Howard, who we know from The Dark Knight. We know him from all the M. Night Shyamalan movies. Blah, blah, blah. We're not talking about the score. We're talking about the goddamn official soundtrack that sold enough albums to be certified as six times platinum. Not nearly what? enough. Hell not yeah. nearly wow. enough. Dude, if wow. I, o- I owned that on CD for some Hell reason yeah. as a kid. And I remember playing that over and over and over again on my parents' reason, radio. Bless. For oh, the because it was that it kicked ass. Okay, but like it was. Here's the thing: I didn't own albums as a kid. For some reason, I just owned the Space Jam album. That was my that was my yeah. first album for like the, the first ten years of my life. And when I tell you that that album has hit after hit after hit after hit on it, it is nonstop the goodness of that album. That album has multiple songs written by Jay Z on it. Yeah, as Arkelly, including on it. I mean, Bugs this. Bunny rapping written by Jay Z. Yes. Come and, on. And, and it was one of the most fire songs on that album. Bugs Bunny has one of the most fire verses I've ever heard in my life toward the end of that album. Wow. Listen to Buggin'. It's on YouTube. Go listen to everybody. Fire verse. I'm going to do it right now. This is like back in the day when the soundtrack would make like as much as the movie when they would release it and they'd sell that shit. You know, they don't, I don't know if they make that much money off soundtracks anymore because everything's on Spotify. It's all digital. But like, man, this oh, was back. Cool. This is like you'd walk into like a version mega store and every wall, all the listening stations would have the Space Jam soundtrack on I'd it. And then, the, I'd probably say, Nick, the last one was like maybe Shrek with Smash Mouth. <laughs> that was uh, like yeah, a maybe. Big movie soundtrack, you know, that was a good soundtrack. The fact uh, that so, that soundtrack had the song to uh, "Hit 'Em High," the Monster al- album yeah. or anthem, oh, which is high. another posse cut with "Be Real," mm-hmm. Busta Rhymes, Coolio, LL Cool J, and Method Man. Jesus, Fuck. an original yeah. song nothing, for this movie. <laughs> nothing more '90s than Space Jam in every single way, and goddamn, I love it. So this this album uh, serves as a high point for musical artist R. Kelly, whose song "I Believe I Can Fly" not 
I can't believe I can fly. Sorry. Not only was a hit, but earned him two Grammy awards. Other tracks included a cover of Steve Miller Band's Fly Like an Eagle by Seal, Hit Him High, The Monstars Anthem by P Real, Buster Rhymes, Coolio, and LL Cool J, Method Man, Basketball Jones by Barry White and Chris Rock, Pump Up the Jam by Technotronic, I Turn to You by All for One. This didn't need an All for One song, but it no. fucking had it, man. And for you, this does, I this will movie does Monica. This movie does not deserve the soundtrack. <laughs> it is like an hour and 15 minutes and all we will do. I mean, granted, it's awesome. We get to watch Michael, Mike, uh, Michael Jordan uh, play basketball for 15 minutes, but that's pretty much it. We also hear the entirety of all of the songs, and I love it for that. Yeah. Uh, oh, this movie- not just once. I think they play Fly Like an Eagle and I Believe I Can Fly like 10 times in this, and it's it slaps every single time. A budget of eighty million, a box office of two hundred and fifty point two million dollars. This movie does, in fact, fail the Bechtel test. There are not two female characters that speak to each other, uh, and yeah, let's get into it. Pretty sure the only female character in this movie too is a cartoon. There's Lola. You got grandma. You got grandma. That's true. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, Snowbike Mike, let's start with you. What did you think about the film Space Jam? <laughs> uh, Tim watching it as a thirty-year-old. Uh, it was pretty special. I think uh, this is a time capsule of what it was like in the 90s. And it brought me right back to being a kid and hearing that Space Jam soundtrack, like you all said, and pulling out the little plastic hoop and trying to dunk like MJ throughout the afternoons. But the movie itself, what a fun time. Uh, a perfect mix of the Looney Tunes and MJ at his prime to make a fun movie. And Danny DeVito as the bad guy trying to run an amusement park. We were all just at an amusement park, so we know what's good and what's not good. And you know exactly. what's good? Having awesome attractions like the Looney Tunes. And funny enough, our Six Flags had the Looney Tunes, which was super weird. But uh, <laughs> you know what? A really fun movie all around. I was really happy with it. Do you think that our world is just like a, a multiverse where <laughs> the Monstars won, won and the Looney Tunes <laughs> are all just caged in the amusement park? That's really horrifying. I love it. Blessing, what do you think? God, what a movie. I haven't seen Space Jam since I was about eight years old. And when I was young, I this was the VHS that I owned, right? Like, I had three older sisters. I would always watch their movies growing up. I was watching Brandy Cinderella over and over again and all yeah. the Disney movies that they owned. Space Jam was my VHS. And so I watched that over and over and over and over again. And that was my favorite movie as a kid. But I've not seen it since I was a kid. And so going back and watching it this last week... I had that small thing of worry of what if I watch this and it's absolute fucking garbage and I have to chalk up my love for Space Jam as me being a kid. And thank God watching it, that is not the case. I remember scene for scene this movie in ways that I did not anticipate. Every single time they're teeing up to the next scene, I was like, I know what's about to happen. I know what they're about to say. And the, the tightness of this movie, the way that it flows, the way that I think it all comes together stylistically... I think it's actually really good and holds up in a lot of ways. Doesn't hold up in a lot of other ways in terms of CGI and all that, all that stuff. But I think overall, this movie is a really fun movie. I want to watch it again. I want to watch it the way I watched it when I was a kid, which is I'm just going to have it on and watch it over and over and over again because there's (laughs) there's so much, there's so many memorable scenes in this movie. There's so much nostalgia tied to it, and it very much is a time capsule in all the best ways. And so, and so, absolutely loved watching it. Andy Cortez. Great fucking film. I didn't... If you would have asked me what the plot was of this movie and try to go through any of the scenes, I would not have remembered. But as I was mentioning earlier, I felt like um, as the movie was playing, I knew every line of dialogue. And I, 
guess I watched this movie a lot as a kid. I didn't remember that. Like, I guess I'd watched it a few times because every line of dialogue that hit, I remembered. Um, I think I was going into this a lot more worried than I probably should have been. But a lot of that is due to uh, Ninja Turtles. A lot of that is due to all the other sort of older movies. Mortal Kombat. (laughs) Yeah, and going back and thinking those movies were better than they were. Some of them were fun because they were bad. I just think this is a good movie, period. Like, I'm so happy to say that. And I agree with Nick. I could have done with a lot more Bill Murray. He did not need to be in this movie. And in every scene he was in, you could tell it was pure improv. You could tell there was no sure. right. He just said, I'm going to make some jokes here and there. I'm like, going to, as we're driving do you, think away, that, do you think that Michael Jordan and Larry Bird even knew that Bill Murray was going to be in that golf scene? Or didn't know he showed up on set that day? <laughs> like, yeah, probably oh, not. Bill Murray's He's like, I'm, yeah. here. I'm in this movie I, now. Just every line of dialogue that he wanted to come up with and them driving away from the ball and him going, you know, I'm going to I'm going to mark us down for twos right there. I don't think we were like mentally right emotional state, emotionally <laughs> stable enough to putt there. You know, so like every line that he came up with is great. I loved um, I loved Wayne Knight in the movie. I thought he was fun as hell. And Michael Jordan, I was kind of pleasantly surprised by his acting. I thought it was going to be way worse than what we got. But there's some scenes where it's like, oh, that's a good line. Of, that's a good line delivery right there, MJ. Uh, the movie's fun as hell. All the stupid little bits that the Looney Tunes are doing, they are they are still as clever as ever. And um, yeah, I'm so happy that this movie is like still good. Bless you, had your hand raised. Yeah, I think the Mortal Kombat comparison is really interesting because I, I think that's a really good point that Mortal Kombat, at least the first one we watched, we enjoy, but we enjoyed it despite how terrible it was. Where in this one, I look at the, a lot of the same elements that I hated on Space Jam, the CGI specifically. And I look at this movie, and of course, the, the CGI is not aged well because CGI is never going to age well in that way. But I wasn't mad at it watching this in the way that while watching Space, while watching Mortal Kombat and seeing Raiden turn into lightning and disappear, I was like, I can do that in After Effects. Whereas in this movie, seeing the Looney Tunes interact with Michael Jordan, seeing them do the thing where one of the monsters took Michael Jordan, balled him up, and turned him into a ball, seeing that stuff, I was like, you know what? This is it's, it's kind of cheap and it's kind of hokey, but in a weird way, it's fun and fits with the Looney, Tune, Looney Tunes aesthetic in a way that I am not mad at whatsoever. And so I was surprised that even that, in a way, kind of still held up for me. The sequence that always sort of stuck in my mind for looking as real as it did is when they break into MJ's house and are trying to get the 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 shoes, shoes. and everything. And there's it's like dark enough to where it some of the sequences look like is that an actual human's like is that a human hand in a glove grabbing mm-hmm. these items? Because it looked like so real to me as a kid and still looked really convincing. And so there's a lot of scenes that I think hold up great. But yeah, like when Wayne Knight is flattened on the ground, that sequence will always just live in my mind. It's just this weird nightmare. It's scary, dude. <laughs> yeah, the CG stuff is definitely like it goes into the very creepy, um, scary or aesthetic. But yeah. for me, what I think the strength of this movie is, I think they nailed the actual 2D animation around everyone. And I think that's why this one belongs in sort of the Library of Congress for, for preservation, because you didn't this. It was hard to do this back in the day. It was not it's not just like, oh, you can tweak around and like do some like having to draw 2D over there and have it be believable was very, very difficult. And this was a this was a style that I think got popularized with like Who Framed Roger Rabbit. And then uh, they tried to do it with a movie called Cool World, but it just did not work. And then so when you get to this, I think watching this movie back and actually one of the things that I was so impressed by was I mean, I haven't seen this since probably 20 or 30 years. So watching it back, 
and seeing how flawless a lot of that stuff was and how creative and still how beautiful it is and how it holds up on film was was a, was a good treat for me. Um, I don't have the same level of nostalgia that you guys have for this movie. So for me, I'm like, this was an interesting, fun look back at a, at a, at a, at a time capsule for the 90s. I don't think it's a great movie. I think it's I think it's short enough so that when you're watching it, you're like, this is an experience, but it's a little light on plot, especially when you start comparing it to a movie like Who Framed Roger Rabbit, which is like a Robert Zemeckis classic. Um, and those movies are kind of night and day as far as like the casting and the plot and the and and all the stuff they put into it. But just an excuse to watch Charles Barkley stumble around like an idiot for five minutes of this movie and then have Bill Murray do some hilarious improv opposite Michael Jordan is come on, you can't beat it. Yeah, I, I think uh, I'm closer to to Nick on this one, but that's just because Who Framed Roger Rabbit is so good and yeah. it is so easy to compare these two movies. But I think that this, like, I honestly, I don't really have complaints because it is a damn fun time. And, like, this movie's cool. Like, this is pure 90s cool. And, like, it's funny that we're saying that about Looney Tunes. Like, the fucking Looney Tunes in the 90s didn't really have resonance with us until this movie. Like, we were, like, maybe Tiny Tunes guys, right? Like, that was well, kind of I more was, our... I I grew up with Looney Tunes only because it was like holdovers from like the 80s, right? So, yeah, I mean, that's the thing is like we all knew it, we were all aware and all that stuff, but it's like this movie made put Bugs Bunny on the same level as Michael Jordan in the 90s. I'm not a sports guy, but fucking Jordan was still everything, you know? So, it's like that's yeah, that's the thing for me is like when I was growing up, it was like, yeah, I knew of Looney Tunes, I watched them because they were cartoons on TV, but they weren't. I wasn't rushing to the theaters to watch Looney Tunes like I was the Little Mermaid, the Lion King, that like everything Disney was doing. So like Disney was like that was cinematic animation to me. Looney Tunes was like it's on right now after the Andy Griffith show. Yeah. So I guess I'll watch it, I, you know. I'll say this this movie turned Looney Tunes into our generation's thing as opposed exactly. to a previous generation's thing. Totally. Yeah. And it made it cool. Like let's take them, let's put them in some baggy basketball shorts and all of a sudden we all want to fucking play basketball. It's just like they they really nailed what they were trying to do. And like sure did we all just buy into a giant commercial? Yes. But I love that this was unabashedly a commercial in every single way, including them shouting out all Michael's sponsors. Like all this That's stuff. amazing. They just knew what they were doing and they had a damn fun time doing the entire thing. I will say the one missed opportunity for me is I feel the pacing is a little bit off for a big hype moment. You go from like, moment. oh, we got it. There's this big game we got to do. Let's get the team together. They get the team. They're like, okay, now we're playing the game. It's like there is a very short training montage. Yeah. And then the game starts. And I feel the first half of the game just doesn't really have a good momentum to it. And then the second half is fucking incredible. And the stretch and all that stuff is what I wanted to see more of, I think. Uh, and for me, the biggest thing, the biggest missed opportunity was the shoes. You got one of the most iconic shoes of all time, the Space Jam Jordan 11s. And he fucking wears them in the final game. And it is the coolest thing ever. You have a whole subplot of Daffy and Bugs having to sneak in and steal some shoes or whatever. And they don't even steal these shoes. Yeah. And some other shoes. And then they don't make a big deal about him getting these shoes. That could have been awesome. They could have had, like, he, they could, they try to sneak in, get the shoes, can't get it for some reason, and then have to make new shoes for him. Give me some armor upgrades, Andy. You know what I'm talking yeah, about? I, I yeah. want that upgrade. And this, and this movie, I, like in my memory, that happened. Like, how could they not do that? That is a slam dunk, as the kids say, Mike. You wow. know what I'm talking about? Nice. But, uh, but again, dunk. regardless, it's like, 
you can't watch this movie if you were born anytime around this era and not feel so much any music cue, any line of dialogue, anything that they're fucking doing. This movie holds up for what it was then. And I think that that is the greatest compliment that I can give it. Even that final sequence, we get the, um, I, I feel like the pacing was just so off to where I didn't realize, oh, it's this is the last second shot. Yeah. I didn't realize it was already yeah. here. It didn't feel like it really built up to to feel this desperate. And, dude, if you lose this game, like, you're going with them forever. Like, this, yeah. is, this is huge right here. And then suddenly Michael Jordan's starting to dunk, and I'm like, oh, shit. I must have looked at my phone for two seconds and realized that this is the last play because Bugs Bunny's out of the game already or whatever. And I knew Bugs Bunny had gotten hurt, and luck- hopefully he comes back. My, but it might be a six- to eight-month injury. We don't know if he'll be back on the roster in time. But at that point, it's like... Oh, I kind of wanted this to feel way more intense than it actually yep. did feel, you know. Yeah. But miss, it's missing a lot of that. It's missing a lot of it. Like as a sports movie, it sort of fails. As a fun cartoon, like with Michael Jordan, it's it succeeds in that. But you do want another like what you need in this movie is you need maybe another ten to fifteen minutes of build up for the game itself, and you also need some semblance of a B plot that's going to play into that A plot. And we sort of had it when we we have the dad at the beginning, and then we've got him with his kids, and he's not really feeling baseball. But then at the end, he's like, "They're like, are you going to come back to basketball?" And he's like, "I'm a baseball player." And then he comes back to basketball, and that should have probably been the entire like emotional B story of this movie. But they just were like, "Ah, we don't want to fuck with Jordan that much," and so that was it. Yeah, there's a couple of weird things like that. Like two that stood out to me is that it feels overly convoluted for how short and simple this movie is. Because really the plot of this movie is Michael Jordan is in a cartoon world. They have to play a uh, basketball game. They play the basketball game credits roll, right? But uh, the, the choice of having the Wayne Knight character have to play with them after building up Bill Murray playing with them for the first half of the movie was just a weird choice. And then Bill Murray eventually comes, but it's like, that just seems convoluted. And the well, other thing is like, okay, he's a basketball player, but now he's playing baseball, but now they're playing golf. And it's just like, what the fuck is happening? He can do it all, Tim. He can well, do he it loves all. playing golf. That was, that was true. It's as if they figured out what that. Michael likes to do. Let's just film him where yeah, he's at. Where he's at. Yeah, right. Okay, that's a good point. <laughs> but I mean, this is, you, know you know what's funny is you guys talk about things you remember, and I don't remember this movie that much. I just remember there's a moment where Michael Jordan plays basketball with Bill Murray, but I could have swore in my brain. I'm like, I swear to God. Larry Bird, Patrick Ewing, and Charles Barkley were on that court also. Like, I was like, and I'm waiting for the moment where, like, Stan goes to get him and brings back the actual, like, all-stars, and they get their power back, and they just, like, all play together with the Space Jam uniform, and it never happens. And I was like, oh, wow, that was a missed opportunity. What was Charles Barkley doing? Like, you know he wanted more screen time. You know he would have said yes. I was surprised when we got to the basketball game, too. Like, when we got there, I checked my – I checked the time code because I was like, certainly – Certainly, this isn't the last act of the movie because it definitely felt like they just jumped in there. But a thing I do want to shout out to was the Monstars, specifically them as kids or them as like little small creatures. I thought the the voice acting delivery on them was really funny. Like they had, yeah, like had had a certain energy to them where like you had the one that was kind of like, you know, almost like he was like on drugs or high or something where the he was out of it. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the airheaded one. Like, I, I absolutely loved their voice acting as a kid. And then, then turning into these huge monsters, I thought was a fun bit. Real fun thing there, Blessing, some type of Mandela effect shit is they don't name the monsters, monsters in this, in the movie. But like, for some reason, I remember yeah, their do. names. Yeah, they do. Yeah, they do. Do they? Yeah. He says, we're not monsters, we're monsters. And then oh, they refer sorry. to them as oh, monsters. He- 
the individual I think he means the names of them themselves. Oh, each oh, one gotcha. of their names. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so there's not much information. This comes from Matt Batson, of course. There's not much information about the casting of these players, but in an interview with Clutch Points, Muggsy Bogues revealed he was first approached about approached about the film by his agent David Falk. Falk is also the agent for Michael Jordan, Barkley, Ewing, Johnson, and Bradley. So that makes a lot yeah. of sense. Uh, they aren't named in the movie, but according to the PlayStation One and Sega Saturn video game, the Monstars' names are Bang Pound. Bumpkiss, Knot, and Blanco. That's really funny. And, uh, I want to be Bang or Pound. They're they're all tied to <laughs> Bang is the green one. He's Johnson. Pound's the orange one. He's Barkley. Bumpkiss is purple. He's Ewing. Knot is red. Is Bogues. And Blanco is blue. Bradley. Yeah. But like I totally knew that from the PS1 game, and I just thought it was from the movie. But that's so funny. That's, that's really hilarious. Funny. Dude, I was like looking for the name of those characters too, and I could not. It was difficult for me to find them on the IMDb page. But that's gotta great. love it. Gotta love it. You ready to get to the plot? It is time for the plot. Yes, I know R. Kelly sucks. I'm just gonna fucking sing the song. Please tell us the fucking plot. Wow, okay, that got that got dark, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, R. Kelly sucks. We can all do, we know he's we all know, yeah. We do, we, we, know, do, we do, we do. We don't gotta uh, risk everything, you know. It's true, it's true. Space Jam, I believe I can fly, Tim. I believe I can touch the sky. Blessing, I think about it every night and day. And then sometimes I spread my wings and I fly away. Summer 1973, a young Michael Jordan practices basketball late at night. And his father asks him to come back in. But he's like, I'm going to take one more shot. His dad's like, I'll tell you what, if you make that shot, you can keep shooting. And of course, this is not Nick Scarpino you're fucking around with. If I, if I was playing basketball and my dad was like, you can come back in. I'm like, thank God. And I would just throw the ball into the fucking planter and never see it again. Eat a bowl of chocolate. <laughs> oh, God. Somebody just force feed me ice cream. <laughs> uh, but, of course, MJ goes through his plan. He's like, listen, man, I want to pursue basketball at North Carolina. And then I want to play a championship team. And then the NBA. And then maybe baseball. And his dad's like, oof, that seems like a great career. Maybe just leave the baseball part off. And he says, when you're finished with that, I suppose you're going to fly, huh? And he goes, damn right I will. And then we get a title sequence with the best song ever made tim everybody get up it's time to slam now fuck yeah dude we got the I real jam going down you're just like you know what we're gonna play the whole song we're just gonna show highlights of jordan's entire career we're gonna build the fucking hype appropriately for this movie but my favorite thing about it is not only how long it lasts but the name title cards of michael yes. jordan bugs bunny Fuck yeah, man! It's so good. I don't know. I don't know who here owned the VHS, but as a kid, I would replay just that part over and over and over it's again. So cool. It was so hype. Yeah, it's, that and the chain link fence background for all the title card names was so hard. Yeah. That was so dope looking. So great. Uh, I love this. When we were talking to Mike, Mike's like, oh, how long is Space Jam? I was like, well, technically it's like an hour and a half, but 15 minutes of it are the opening credits of Michael Jordan. Just It's just a highlight reel for Michael Jordan. Yeah, I and think then, the highlight reel is longer than the basketball game. It's And you know what? I'm not I'm not mad at it. No, Traditionally, I would have a criticism of that, but on this particular one, we're going to give this one a pass because it's pretty it, great. Really quick, Nick, it's funny because we're all coming off of The Last Dance where we got to see a lot of these highlights in this incredible series. Back then, we didn't really have that, right? He was still in his prime. We didn't have all this package together. So watching it now, it's like, oh, man, like we saw all of these highlights and got the story behind it when he was at UNC, when he won the championship and where he is now. Like that was really cool to see. 
I'm so shocked they didn't go to a lot of the gambling stuff, but you know, whatever. <laughs> you didn't think you didn't want to see why just one shot of him at the tables just <laughs> win a million dollars. Uh, of course, then MJ tells everyone he's going to retire and he's going to go play professional baseball. Meanwhile, up at Moron Mountain Amusement Park in space, all these little one-eyed aliens really hate the rides. And Danny DeVito playing Swackhammer, I believe is the name of his character, uh, knows he's like, we need new attractions. We need something loony. Then we cut back over to Double A, Triple A baseball. What, what, what teams he playing for here? What are the Barons? Are they are they Double A? Double A, Double A, coached by uh, Andy. Who's the Who's the coach for the Boston Red Sox when they were uh, high up in the mid two thousands? Oh and, shit! Uh, yeah. and he's, he's currently coaching Cleveland. Oh, why am I blanking on his name? The Cleveland Indians. Yeah, Phil, Phil Knight. Phil Jack Knight. Glasses. Yeah. Good job, Nick. Good job. Phil Jackson. <laughs> so nice. Uh, a fact for you, a fact for you here about the, the flying. Terry Francona. When we see, there you go. Francona is a dope name. Uh, when they're flying through to Moron Mountain, you can see the monolith from 2001 A Space Odyssey in the background. So that's kind of fun. Oh, that's kind of cool. Uh, of course, uh, over in double A baseball, MJ is striking out, even though the catcher is really trying hard to help him. And I'm gonna, I don't know a lot about baseball. But wouldn't the game be better if the catcher just told you what pitch was coming? I, mean, I feel like that would just be so much more fun, right? That was Arliss, right? Was one of Marlis? I think it was Arliss. Robert Wall? Yeah, I th- I'm pretty sure that's who the actor was. Anyway, I love this sequence. Uh, yeah, oh, that's funny. I didn't catch it. That's cool. I love that everyone's uh, just kissing Michael Jackson. Michael Jackson. Yeah. Call him Michael Jackson. Michael looks Jordan's great in that Looks great in that suit. Hey, can't teach that. Can't teach that. <laughs> looks great in that suit. <laughs> Um, then we get uh, Nedry from Jurassic Park, played by Wade Knight. We're going to call him either Stan, Nedry, or Newman from now Newman. on. So Newman. Those are all three. Those oh, are interchangeable because he's played those amazing, iconic characters. Let uh, me drop some facts on you here for that. Uh, Wayne Knight, Michael's manager in the film, once told Vice sometimes he was asked to play in pickup games by some of the players. When past the ball, he'd just drop the ball, walk away, be like, nope, not doing this. Yeah. Uh, speaking <laughs> of Wayne Knight, according to the director, the original actors eyed for the role uh, were Jason Alexander, no surprise at all, and uh, Chevy Chase. Chevy Chase, there you go. And then uh, in the 2020 documentary, The Last Dance, we saw a $10,000 full-court practice facility that Jordan used to prepare for the season between shooting scenes in Space Jam. He would regularly uh, play with people from the cast and also Shaq, Reggie Miller, Magic Johnson, Grant Hill, etc., etc. But this place, this location, was known as the Jordan Dome. Let's go. the coolest thing ever that's that when everybody that's was like great part of that documentary th- that's when michael jordan was like i'm thinking i'm back like that yeah. was kind of that yeah, yeah. <laughs> i'm thinking i'm back um oh crap i lost my document here so of course he comes over he's, he's ordered to make sure mj is happy but striking out in the minors sucks even though everyone is kissing your ass uh swag hammers cronies show up in, the, in a spaceship and burrow into the ground, popping up in the Looney Tune world. Bugs, of course, uses this opportunity to mess with them. Uh, and he's like, he's like, uh, maybe there is no intelligent life form out there in the universe. You gotta love Bugs Bunny the entire time, not really taking any of this seriously, just kind of hamming it up for the camera. Uh, they catch on, of course, and hit them with with blasters and tell everyone to gather up the other tunes and come with them. Stan drops MJ off at his at his house. And Charles. Now, do you think this dog's name is Charles Barkley? Yes, it is. Yes, it okay, is. Okay. And as as confirmed by the novelization, it is. And I fucking love that choice because that is so funny that Michael Jordan would call his dog Charles Barkley. That's the best. It's fucked up. 
It's great. <laughs> it's it's so good. He's just kind of like Michael looks at all these people that were obviously working for his agent, but like I don't think anybody in this movie has a ring. So I got some facts for you, of course, Andy, from one Matt Batson with the Space Jam game plan. Uh, the Monstars steal their basketball talents from NBA superstars Charles Barkley and Patrick Ewing, but they also steal the talents of Larry Johnson, Sean Bradley, and Muggsy Bogues. If the Monstars were trying to steal their powers from the best players in the world, they did a really bad job with the last three. While they all played in the league for a relatively long time, Johnson was the only one of the three to ever make an all-star team, only appearing twice. Imagine if they took the powers of guys like Shaq, Hakeem, Olajuwon or Scottie Pippen. So why were these three seemingly random players selected? Because of the agent. That's so. I was wondering that when I was a kid. I was like, I mean, I I knew the name Patrick Ewing. I knew the name. Obviously, you knew the name Charles Barkley. But I was like, who are these other three guys? And why are they not just all from the nineteen ninety five Chicago Bulls? <laughs> I, I think that they were also just kind of players that had kind of characteristics. Like not only were they under the same agency or whatever, but Muggsy Bogues was very popular because he was short. Yeah. And uh, Sean Bradley was not, I wouldn't say popular. Not every kid's buying a Sean Bradley jersey, but he was super tall and skinny and just a very notable looking dude. And you kind of knew who he was, even though he was never particularly a great player. So, like, I, I guess I never really questioned that shit when I was a kid, but now it makes so much more sense that they're all part of the agency. And that's the same thing that happens today with LeBron and everybody like LeBron is a player and has all of his, like he has his own agency and it like shouldn't be legal, but the NBA is like, LeBron, you do whatever you want, bro. Just keep playing. Just keep playing. <laughs> uh, of course, when, uh, as, as Michael's arriving, so too is his wife and children. Uh, his eldest son, Jeff, comes home and he just comes home from a Little League game and he's not happy with his performance. And you're thinking, okay, here's the B story, right? Michael Jordan, who is a world, probably the best athlete on the planet at this point, right? Multi, multi championships has just won, is just a winner and puts the work in. His son lost the game, right? But then the wife's like, no, 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 he didn't lose. He just like missed one strike. And now his batting average is only like 650 or something like that. And I'm like, what? <laughs> like, anyway, it doesn't matter. The kid's killer, apparently. Nobody can feel if you're in the NJ family. Yeah, and I really thought, yeah, you're so right, Nick. Like, kind of an easy opportunity for the B story. To have like maybe a kid who just doesn't want to play sports and doesn't like, want to sort of do this thing, and his dad's like, you know what, I accept you for whatever you want to do. <laughs> like, or uh, he's, not he's even a plot at all. <laughs> yeah, you, that's fine. You think of it like this, right? The kid comes home and he's like, I suck at baseball, right? Like, I'm not good, dad. I'm thinking about quitting. And his dad's like, listen, these are the moments that make you like that, that make or break you, right? You've got to just push through this, learn from it. And you'll be you'll come out the other side of champion, right? And then we get that moment where they're like, "Oh, where's your dad? He's going to play a basketball game." And the kids are like, "Dad's playing a basketball game with Looney Tunes," and they never show up to the game. You would think there'd be a moment where yeah. MJ's like at his lowest, and he's like, "Fuck, we can't win this game, and I'm about to go be like a prisoner on this on this space <laughs> like, planet." And the kid shows up and goes, "Dad, what did you tell me? Never give up, right? Champions never give up." And MJ's like, "You're fucking right." And then. And, but instead, they were just like this. We'll, we'll we'll use some 
we'll use some juice to get better at sports. That was, that was what kids took away from this. If you have a secret magic juice, you can get better at sports. Mike, let's start. Weird choice. I fucking know. It was a bad choice. Work on me. These kids are fans of the Looney Tunes. Like, yeah, this daughter had a Bugs Bunny stuffed animal. How did they not, how are they not at the game? (laughs) How was that? The Teresa Randall might be like, wait, where the fuck is my husband? And then they go to the golf course and then they figure it out. This movie needed like 20 more minutes. Could have been awesome. But anyway, I'll tell you a bunch. uh, There was a lot of times as a kid where I would pretend that my water, when I'm playing dodgeball or at recess or whatever, was Michael's secret stuff or whatever. He's got the special stuff. I got the special stuff. And yeah, no, the movie worked on me in that, in, in that way. Yeah. Good. Well, it worked on uh, a lot of people that way. And they're all getting popped by USADA right now. Anyway, uh, Jeff and the kids watch a news report about Michael stinking up the place. He turns to, he's like, you know, you guys shouldn't be watching this. And he turns the channel to the Looney Tunes. Uh, Porky Pig stops the action calls. It. This is great. This to me broke my brain when I watched yeah. this. Where so they walk cool. in, Porky Pig walks in. He's like, hey, we got an emergency meeting of like the, the tune guild or whatever it is. And then they just leave the frame empty. And the kids are like, what? What the hell's going on? It was a really cool comedic beat and kind of creepy, actually, too, because to watch to have a bunch of children watching TV and have all the cartoon characters look at them and then leave and then just stay on that is like some Twilight Zone shit. And it kind of freaked me out. Not going to lie. While at the union meeting, the aliens take the tunes prisoners so they can be slaves to the amusement park uh, and forever be attractions there. Bugs thinks fast and draws up a quick rule book so they can get one opportunity to defend themselves. Since all the aliens are short, they're like, what are we going to do? We have to challenge them to something. I know. Let's challenge them to a basketball game. Uh, Not knowing anything about basketball, they watch old uh, newsreels footage that says basketball excuse me, the aliens don't know anything about basketball. So they watch newsreel footage that says basketball is played by the best in the world. So they go, you know what? We're going to head to what the best in the world team was at the time, Andy. What was the best team in 1996? Dream team. Was it the New York Knicks? Was the New York <laughs> Knicks, Knicks the best baby. team? Because, <laughs> man, I don't think they were, but uh, you know what? We'll just say they I were. Mean, I don't they know about basketball. When you have Patrick Ewing, you're always a contender. But, I mean... It was like the year that MJ's not playing. Anybody's got a shot. Let's try to go get this fair. <laughs> fair. Didn't know who won the who won the championship that year? Wasn't it was it the Pistons? That was the Rockets. Okay, cool. I think it was uh, the Olajuwon. Yeah. Very beautiful. Anyway, they go to the Knicks because apparently the manager owns the Knicks too or whatever. And they go there and they start stealing people's power. Uh, let's see. They sit next to a pair of squares who won't let them jerk off under their trench coat. <laughs> Just a weird beat for a kid's movie. And then they turn into goo and steal, steal, steal Charles Barkley's talent. And then Patrick Ewing, and he becomes an idiot. And MJ watches a news report about five players total who lost their coordination. And then Stan comes to pick him up. Uh, the LA Lakers, This I love this the shot. I love how many, many people they got involved in this. But the LA Lakers are going to the old forum. This is even before the Staples Center was the thing. And they're like, we're just not, we're not playing. We're not going in that locker room. Whatever germ or virus is spreading around, we don't want to play. And it's cra- it's so cool to see um, the NBA do, Andy, what they would do in real life if there was a virus floating around. And they would just, they were like, you know what, guys? We, the player safety is the most important thing. You guys have the entire season off. We're not going to do anything crazy like put you in a bubble for a really long time and make you miss your families for like fucking 10 months in a row. You guys, your safety, important. Especially and it's cool. For a I don't believe that's how they do it in real life. Yeah, especially for like a championship that just didn't count, right, Mike? Like the, the Disney. Didn't count. Bubble ball. Who counts? The Disney it? World. Ball. Doesn't count. It's all fake. 
Andy, earlier you were talking about the the scene where Daffy and Bugs sneak in and like how awesome it is. And I totally fucking agree because I love them. Like the Looks cartoon so thing of being under the grass and seeing the, the hump move and all that stuff. Yeah. Uh, that and then it starts here with the, the monsters, monsters in the trench coat, uh, the way that they're kind of animated through the holes and stuff. That is where I think this movie goes from just being like nostalgic and fun to like oh wow this is actually really cool and creative and they did a fantastic job where it pushes it into that who framed roger rabbit territory of like y'all didn't need to have these shots you chose to because it's cool yeah so, good and, job and, and yeah. high level of difficulty too yeah yeah i also want to give a shout out to showing off the basketball teams and the games right and then going to la and seeing all the different teams it made it feel so big because it's not just mj there was so many more involved and it's like Man, that's cool. And then you get to see early 90s basketball, which is always a throwback, which I love the most. I also well, want to give a shout out to Charles Barkley just breaking down <laughs> mid-game. How funny Charles. Charles Barkley <laughs> is great in this. He's great in this. And, like, yeah, it's it's cool they got the actual licenses for those teams. Right? Like obviously, if you're working with MJ, you get them. But, like, I always think back to, like, any given Sunday where they couldn't get the NFL license and they just had, like, the New York Sharks versus the Miami fucking like Barracudas. What is this shit? Anyhow, uh, let's see. The little bug aliens use the power they collected in the ball uh, from all of the basketball players uh, to get tall and prove once and for all Andy that tall people are the devil. Uh, then Porky Pig wets himself and the tunes are in trouble. These guys are want- monsters. I want to point out how much I hate seeing Porky Pig sitting next to a hatless Elmer Fudd and how similar they look. And they look yes. like, like they're this, they're similar skin tones. They got a similar head shape. And whenever they're together, I just feel like one of them is the other Loki variant from another sort of universe. You know, like, oh, in that universe, you're a pig. I get your pig version of me. It's weird. Mike? Uh, there's two scenes in this movie that I remember as the kid that always horrified and haunted me. And it was when the Monstars become the Monstars. And then as well, you brought it up earlier, when MJ makes that deal and he goes, oh, perfect, you're going to be my slave forever. We'll have you signing autographs and shooting hoops, and the kids will always beat you. And I will never forget that. Like, you talked about, oh, there wasn't really a price to pay, and it didn't feel like that. When I was a kid, my biggest fear was Michael Jordan was going to be stuck on Moron Mountain for the rest of his life (laughs) and just losing and signing autographs. And I'll never forget those two scenes because, like, they had that art style where it was like really dark, but it stood out with these pops of colors. And it was like, that is ingrained in my mind. I'll never forget that Mike, scene. Mike, I'm right there with you. The scene, I know we're jumping ahead, but like the scene where they do have him uh, doing the illustration of him signing all the autographs and like the the phrase, and you'll always lose. For some reason, as a kid, I took that personally. I was like, yeah. oh shit, that sounds like the worst thing ever. He's going to always lose. But like watching it as an adult, I was like, oh yeah, that's a... F- a fun bit that's a fun yeah, thing I, I, and, and I, I just want to retort to that like i the the thing that bummed me out about the ending was like i know the stakes were that high and that scary but they were talked about once yeah, like, yeah. near the beginning of the game or whatever and, and again we kind like, of forgot them towards the end that like what they were even playing for and i kind of just wanted that i like i wanted michael like think back on his like kids and be like i'm never gonna see it like we have to win this game like i needed that urgency and we kind of like by the end of it you're like oh i forgot what he's pl- i forgot what they're playing for <laughs> yeah. the thing is though we watched the last dance 
Michael Jordan wasn't worried. He's like, he I never got doubted this shit. it. He <laughs> never doubted like, it. There's not right. a chance I'm losing I that person. Uh, I some that facts person. I got for you about about height because uh, a while ago someone mentioned height. Bill Murray, who stands at six two, joked how he felt puny around everyone else. Uh, with Michael Jordan and Larry Bird, who stand respectively at six six and six nine, and this wow. is exactly how wow. I feel as a, a six foot tall dude uh, when I hugged Max Scoville last night. Yeah, and I'm just like, this man is huge. Yeah. So, tall. so tall, so incredibly He's tall. A very good I hugger, too. Back to the plot. Bugs thinks they need help, so who do they turn to? Bill fucking Murray and Larry Bird and MJ. Uh, Bill Murray asks, this is an ongoing joke that I personally think is hilarious. I don't, I don't know why, but he just keeps asking them if he if he can play basketball. He's like, oh, can you put in a good word for me? And then he tells Larry Bird, uh, they, he has some bang-up scenes with Larry Bird and does the thing where he shoots the... <laughs> Larry's not white. Larry's clear. Clear. So white he's clear. clear. Yes. Um, I love that he hits the ball. And stays in the pose. And Michael's like, you can stop posing now. He's like, it's like, great shot. He's like, I know. (laughs) (laughs) Got to give some love to the umbrella hat as well. Pulled that off very well in the early 90s. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Sight gags, always a good thing. Uh, uh, Let's see. MJ shoots a hole in one thanks to a little trickery from bugs and a magnet. Uh, But when he reaches in, he gets his ball. uh, To get his ball, he gets lassoed. Uh, And then Bill, another dynamite improv where he just... No reaction, turns over to Stan. He's like, What kind of camera is that? Don't point it at me. <laughs> Close the lens. <laughs> so good. Uh, let's see. Bugs lays a smacker on MJ's lip. Oh, excuse me. Uh, they all go off to Tombland. Uh, Bugs lays a smacker on MJ's lips, and everyone flips to meet him. This movie is like a fun acid trip at this point. Uh, Bugs pleads with MJ to help, but MJ is a baseball player, and we all remember his first season back. Uh, excuse me. Oh, sorry. His first season back to the NBA from playing baseball. Shoosh. Can you say rusty, Andy? No, uh, Yeah, he was rusty. The tunes show MJ around their training facility and then spit shine the hell out of it. Daffy kisses his own ass. And then the monsters show up. And he said, you heard of the dream team? Well, we're the mean team, wussy man. And they fold Michael Jackson up to a very terrifying CG Not ball. Jackson. That looks it's just legit terrifying. And then I they- always hated that it wasn't Michael Jordan yelling whenever he gets put into like it's some different vo being like ah! <laughs> like some, yeah. some weird thing when he's getting squished up it's like why isn't this michael jordan yelling i don't know what the hell happened here I that no idea. terrified me as a kid yeah so like i that didn't make sense the, the, looks, like, the way that they contortioned him i was like this is fucked up you shouldn't be doing this it looks like something you'd see a, like a serial killer do in like seven where you're like he like cuts up pictures of someone and balls it. it's just really yeah. really creepy looking uh, yeah, it felt very um uh was human centipede ish. Very kind much of like so. That. Uh, let's see. They call then they all call MJ a baldy and beat Tweety's ass. And then Tweety asks if MJ is scared of them, which is just the encouragement he needs. And he's like, "Let's play some basketball." Uh, and we get a nice fun scene where Charles Barkley goes to the local courts to play with some kids. But man, he still sucks. And they run circles around him just like I do, Greg, every time I host his podcast for him. Uh, they run a bunch of tests on all the rest of the players. Love this scene. Needed more of this. Needed more of these players being the side characters that needed to come get their powers back. Could have worked that into the, the A plot a little bit more. Um, do you deal with also- performance issues at home? 
No. <laughs> That's a great line. This, great. this is also uh, Basketball Jones, which is one of my Basketball favorite tracks Jones. off the soundtrack, yep. even though I would say that about any of the tracks. But exactly. this one specifically just hits in a different way for me. I love it. It's just the best. having Chris Rock doing that. Yeah. <laughs> doing uh-huh. the just being like, in a hard time. <laughs> like, what is happening in this song? The little <laughs> five foot nothing girl just dominating Charles yeah. out on the court. And he's just looking all <laughs> dumb as convenient. You're like, oh, you're so the round mound to rebound in. Yeah. Before we move on, let me tell you about our sponsors. This show is brought to you by Canva. Listen. Design is hard. I'm talking about art design. Even making thumbnails in Photoshop can be hard sometimes for me, but that's why I'm excited to tell you about Canva. Kind of Funny loves Canva. Tim Geddes himself says that it is super useful and easy to use. It makes all different kinds of design stuff. You just pick the styles you like and it does all of the work. Super helpful for creators. Canva Pro is the easy to use design platform that has everything you need to design like a pro. It's a quick, easy, and affordable way to design whatever you need. No matter what you're creating and sharing, Canva Pro has everything you need in one place, including a collection of over 75 million premium photos, videos, audio, and graphics. Plus, Canva Pro comes with time-saving tools to simplify and speed up the creative process. You get all of this and more in just one Canva Pro subscription. Design like a pro with Canva Pro. Right now, you can get a free 45-day extended trial when you use my promo code. Just go to canva.me slash kindoffunny to get your free 45-day extended trial. That is C-A-N-V-A dot M-E slash kindoffunny. Canva.me slash kindoffunny. Is this scene the hospital scene? Yeah. Or is that like... Yes. Yeah, okay. all this. So y'all motherfuckers, all right? There is one shot of the hospital scene that's an establishing shot of it. And it lasts about two seconds, if even, where we just see the outside before they go in. That establishing shot was one block away from the house I grew up in. No way. And it is the most random thing. Not a hospital. I mean, well, it was a hospital way back in the day, but it's just this unfunctioning abandoned abandoned building that like me and Cooler used to just hang out in. And I'll never forget watching this movie in theaters and just seeing it and just being like, what the hell? Like that, and it felt like real life. That's weird. Like there was real That's shit strange. going on, guys. That's really strange. I have no idea why they did that. It's so some, fucking random. Some but. Shutter Island stuff. Like, what's happening in that building? It's probably like the first go. like generic B-roll that they found, like laying around somewhere for another movie. Yeah, it's left over from something else. Uh, they run a bunch of tests on the players. I love the line where Barkley's talking to his psychiatrist. And he's like, he tells him about the the little girl running circles around him. He goes, that sounds like a, a very terrifying dream. And he goes, dream? That happened like five minutes ago in real life. <laughs> and then he has a dynamite, dynamite line where he's like, he's praying to God. He's like, please give me my time. If you give me my time back, I'll never go out with Madonna again. <laughs> yeah, it's like, awesome. Uh, the tunes practice, but they suck. Thankfully, Lola Bunny comes in. Uh, and then when Bugs calls her dolls, she runs circles around him and says, don't call me doll. Uh, this is another one of those weird, like, I don't remember Lola Bunny ever being a thing really before this. This was this was the intro. This, this was the intro. Okay, cool. And she became standard after that in all the Looney Tunes shows they made in the nineties. Again, this is just one of those. We needed a little bit more character introduction for her. Like we needed to set this character up a little bit more because she literally comes out of nowhere. And then you're like, okay, this is a character now. And granted, it's a cartoon character, but still could have used a little bit. Of, it needed the recruiting montage. We're like, how, who are we going to get for this? And all we really got was uh, was MJ, but it would have been cool to go around all the tunes and try to get him to come play with them. To be fair, when you're a horny little boy who like discovers that he loves women, you're like, oh, I 
I want this. I I like this bunny a lot. <laughs> like yes. I, very <laughs> I like this bunny a lot. A lot. I don't funny, know what I'm feeling right now. Say no more. Say no more. But well, yes. The, the funny thing is, for some reason, I guess after the discourse earlier in the year of them redesigning Lola Bunny for the new movie, I was expecting Lola Bunny to be way more curvy and way more sexual in this movie than she actually is. Like. They play music and B- Bugs' reaction and all this stuff. And, like, her attitude, I think, builds up to that sexy nature of Lola Bunny. Yeah. But she's not, like, that curvy in this movie. Like, she's... No, they actually, they basically put her in... Sh- they put her in shorter shorts in this one. And they were like, the shorts are the egregious offense here. Let's put her in some actual basketball shorts for the new one and call it a day. But even yeah. better, she's a first ballot Hall of Famer. Like, she's making it... Like, she's... Mike, she's averaging 22 and 13 a game. She's like, she's... She's hooping. She's hooping. Yeah, she's hooping. She's on the team. You're so right, Nick. They should have done a fun, like, tryout montage there because the coolest part is, like, some of these scenes, you pull back and you see the whole Looney Tunes world, right? And we get to see all of the characters, which is exciting because we'll see that in the next movie. But uh, it's like, man, we could have had a cool tryout montage with all of the crazy Looney Tunes characters and really put together a squad here. But we didn't do that. We didn't do that. Yeah, you wanted a little bit more. You wanted the creativity of like, we don't know what we're going to do with all these parts, right? But then by the third act, by the climax of the movie, they all come together to like, to, to, to work perfectly as a well-oiled machine. You've got Pepe Le Pew out there skunking people like like uh, Kevin's house. Uh, you've got, you know, Bugs Bunny. you got the roadrunner running around circles around people. And you wanted that moment where they all come together, led by MJ with the kids and the wife cheering him on on the side. And you don't really get that. Instead, we get what Michael Jordan's done his entire career. is like, just give me the ball. I'll win this game for you. Mm-hmm. And it's fun, but it doesn't make for a, an especially great story arc that's uh, that has a payoff at the end. But hey. What do I know? I write jokes about people jerking off in trench coats. Uh, let's see. MJ needs his gear, though, guys. So he sends the tunes to his house to get it. Uh, Daffy winds up in the literal doghouse until Bugs lets him in. They accidentally wake up MJ's daughter on the way to the trophy room. She spots them gathering his gear. But when Charles, the dog, threatens them with a pair of Michael Jordan's North Carolina shorts, MJ's kids rush in to save them. Uh, Bugs tells them about the game and swears them to secrecy. And you're like, oh, this is going to pay off in the third act. It doesn't. I love uh, it. Can I stop here? Like we're, we're talking earlier, uh, Bless and I were talking about how scared they were for, for Jordan having to lose in perpetuity. This fucking dog is terrifying. Like it's the big. way they it shoot is. it, it looks huge. Yeah. Like I, and I love, I actually like it. Like it feels like I love that it made a real life element feel like a cartoon. Like that, I thought they did a really yeah. good job with. I also love the back and forth between Bugs and Daffy and just talking okay. about their agents and getting a good cut and how like. Have you seen any of the royalties? Like, no, I haven't got anything. Like, wow, we're really getting screwed out here. As a kid, I'm pretty sure the dog in this scene is contributed to my fear of dogs growing up because, like, it is terrifying. And as, I, as a kid, I found it super terrifying. It's also just like the most, like, when you see the dog itself, though, like, just sitting there, like, it's just a bulldog, like a British bulldog. They're just such lumps. <laughs> <laughs> whatever yeah. they did make it it's interesting because like the scale was a little off on this like you guys are talking about when you watch bugs bunny they said like bugs bunny stands three feet tall right and when they announce him, they say three feet but four feet with the ears and then you see him next to this bulldog and he looks like the size of a real bunny which would be like half a foot tall max it's very weird but i think they did it for dramatic effects and it worked and then the kids come in they're like wow we're gonna go to this game and bugs is like good fucking luck finding it kids because you have to go to a specific hole on a specific golf course <laughs> 
Um, Bugs and Daffy head back to the golf course, and Stan spots them because he's been fixing a divot the entire time. He goes, "Look, fixing a divot. (laughs) He's fixing a divot. That was the best scene. (laughs) The best. And then look who's finally ready to play. MJ flies like an eagle." to that wonderful, wonderful seal song um, and stands there too. He's very excited to see MJ and wants to take him back to his basketball baseball practice, but MJ refuses to leave. So Stan offers to help. Uh, meanwhile, out in the outside world, the forum gets shut down and tented. The commission at basketball shows up and tells them no more B-ball until they sort this mess out again, just like I'd wish they do in real life. But hey, money talks and bullshit walks, guys. And I do a lot of walking game time. Starting lineup for the Toon Squad, the Tasmanian Devil, Lola Bunny, Daffy Duck is power forward. No one cheers. Hilarious. That would that'd be <laughs> definitely something, by the way, whenever we do the race, when, whenever we do the foot race between Andy and Greg, we're going to introduce Andy first. Everyone's going to cheer. Then we're going to introduce Greg. I want crickets, Island. everyone. If you're listening to this podcast, <laughs> crickets. I want I want him losing that, losing that race before he even takes one step. Uh, and then his royal heiress, Michael Jordan from North Carolina. And this is a, this is a point of contention to me because I was like, why do they keep saying North Carolina? And I was bitching about it. And then Snowbike Mike is like, Nick, that's what they really do. They tell they say where you're what, what, like from North Carolina. Like, oh, oh. that's the best dude. I was like, so OK, right. I didn't know that, that. I didn't know that. It's one of the biggest basketball schools on the planet. Right. When we break down college hoops. And so, like, when you say North Carolina, people know it holds a lot of weight there. It's like. Duke and North Carolina, those are the two basketball schools. If you say one of those, people know it. So, yeah, it was a big deal for that. So if they introduced me from the University of California, Irvine, it wouldn't get as big a pop. It would probably be like, I need to look that up on Google Maps right now. (laughs) (laughs) What North Carolina did for hoops, though, was like really popularize Tariq Jordan Blue. Yeah. The powder baby blue. Yeah. Uh Like. That man, like everybody had needed the the powder blue uh fucking shoes and like everything yeah. needed to be you needed the powder blue shorts or like the black shorts with the powder blue accents, like everything was like, Oh, the tar heels are the coolest. I need the powder blue shit. University ones, baby. A thing of beauty. Yeah. Did I tell you the story? I told you guys the story a long time ago of how when I was a kid, I just wanted a hat. And so my mom took me to like the hat store and it was just nothing but a bunch of team logos that I had no idea who any of these teams were. And I picked out a Tar Heels hat. And then I've never been more embarrassed in my life. And when someone's like, oh, you're like, I had no idea. Just I thought it was a cool. It was like one of the Tar Heels. I was like, that looks cool. And I liked the colors of it. And I'll never be. I've never been more embarrassed than someone was like one of my like dad's friends was like, oh, you, you like the Tar Heels? And I was like. What I don't know what that I don't know what that means. And the look on that face was like, God, this kid, this fucking kid. <laughs> that is the most Nick Scarpino story. I, just, I love. I wanted a hat. My mom took me to the hat store. <laughs> the hat store, not a lid. A hat store. A hat store. <laughs> love it. Love it. I don't know what it was called. I can't even remember what story it was. Anyway, the monsters get introduced, and off we go. MJ gets the tip off, uh, but the tunes are very outclassed immediately, and they start getting the score run up on them. Despite Lola and MJ getting in some nice baskets, the monsters run up the score to like sixty six to like fourteen or whatever it is. By half I love time. the one stat that Matt Batson put in that list. Yes. That there's only one jump shot, and everything else is dunks. 
Two no, jump he, shots he, to try to yeah, yeah. NBA Street. The Matt Batson Space Jam gameplay and some actual stats about the final game. In 2011, the Harvard College Sports Analysis Collective filled out a box score based off of every play that we can see in the movie. Uh, there's a Wired article that breaks down all the stats, but he, he, he got some highlights for us. All but two of the shot attempts in the movie are dunks. MJ makes one jump shot and his manager makes another after being crushed. The lack of jump shots doesn't stop the Monstars from making three-pointers, though. They made nine three-pointers point dunks <laughs> nine three point, dunks yeah, three point dunks on nine attempts a truly unprecedented display of athleticism not a single foul is called the entire game zero rebounds are recorded throughout the game there's only one missed shot during the entire game thanks to Wiley coyotes explosives jordan leads the tune squad with 44 points followed by bugs with 10 lola daffy taz porky elmer and pepe lepew also contribute with single digits uh mj has a remarkably high usage rate of 44 percent during the game that's impressive right mike it's impressive but uh, i don't know uh, his Not nba his stats are, he does that a lot in his nba games there was oh, a, a lot of moments okay. there there's a caveat to that of like but not his highest because he had multiple games in the nba where he had higher Gotcha, gotcha. The most bizarre part of the game is probably when the scoreboard reads 77-67 with 10 seconds left while the paramedics reinflate Wayne Knight. What am I reading right now? Uh, then Bill Murray makes his appearance and suddenly... What am I reading right now? <laughs> makes his appearance and suddenly the score is 77-76. It is speculated that Marvin the Martian changes the score while no one's looking to make up for not calling any fouls on the Monstars. He's the referee and this makes sense because he is both a Looney Tune and an alien. Oh, oh my god. god. Oh, whoa. Like, Mike, what's up? I want to call out a couple of things of MJ getting tripled and quadruple teamed and him dribbling through the defense was so much fun to watch. And then on top of that, a nice callback to the FCF championship was seeing Danny DeVito's character, the Monstars manager, getting a massage in the middle of the game, very similar to Quavo getting his hair cut in the middle of the game, <laughs> which was uh, real funny to see. I loved that moment. I thought Bill Murray had an assist there at the end. What the hell? He had that behind the hat, behind the back pass, but they didn't credit him with an assist. Unfortunate uh, numbers for Bill Murray. Just numbers, across, just zeros all across the board. <laughs> he really brought the energy at the end, right? He yeah. brought the team together. He brought that energy, and like you could see the passing, you could see the cohesion went right at the end there because of Bill. Of course, uh, we have a little bit more of the plot before we get to that point. Uh, let's see. Stan goes over and like uh, hides out one of the lockers, but Swack Hammer finds him and they figure out his he what, what's going on. They burn his ass. He makes it back to the locker room and tells the team that Monster stole the power from the NBA players. And Mike's like, ah, oh, that makes sense now. Bugs makes a special concoction in the water and labels it Mike's, Michael's secret steroid stuff. And everyone buys in. They're like, give me some fucking steroids right now to the dome. We need to win this game or else we're going to be slaves to this amusement park for the rest of our life. They start passing it around like it's roids in the 80s. Uh, and then the tunes pick it up in the second half and start running up the score with some questionably legal tactics. Uh, then we get a Pulp Fiction reference, which... Must have just been for the parents. Must have been for the parents of the audience, because I'm pretty sure if your kid got that Pulp Fiction reference, you're a fucking you're a bad parent. You're that's a one of the things. Parent. That's Go one of the things one. in this movie that that uh, caught me off guard. Not watching it since I was eight. The amount of jokes in this movie that felt that that they were directed toward adults, not just the um, uh, I forget which bat was it. Charles? No, it wasn't Charles Barkley. One of the basketball players being like, you know, I don't have performance issues at home or whatever, and then also. Yeah. Lola Bunny kissing Bugs Bunny and him going all stiff, which, which I thought was hilarious watching it uh, <laughs> this week. But yeah, like, you know, it, it seems like there was a lot of those that I wasn't expecting. The scene was uh, weird because they do the Pulp Fiction reference and then it just like 
hard cuts to the next scene and it's so jarring that i stopped and started googling i'm like did they edit something out of the hbo max version of this like was there something like that inappropriate and i couldn't find mm -hmm. any evidence of it it's just a really really bizarre edit uh let's see 66 45 so michael brings out a special up in the skunk tootie bird does some karate uh swag hammer tells his goons he wants mj and MJ sees the opportunity up the stakes. He tells us he's like, if we win, the NBA players get their powers back. If the Monsters win, uh, M MJ will be the star attraction at Moron Mountain. And like we talked about, he's going to have to stay there his entire life and uh, always lose, which is terrifying. Also, not see his family anymore, but that doesn't seem to matter so much to MJ in this movie. Uh, the Monsters start in with some dirty tactics. Uh, Bug sacrifices his body for Lola Bunny and they make out over on the sideline. Things are looking pretty grim. So MJ strategizes how to ring uh, uh how to bring in a fifth player and tell us the tunes the secret weapon was in them the whole time it was just water and like yeah well no we need steroids uh stan is the secret weapon he, he goes in he gets immediately crushed um <laughs> and then they flatten him out like a pancake and then blow him up and we've already talked about how horribly creepy the cg is uh marvin the martian <laughs> really tells him what's up Mike? really quick the best part of that scene is when he gets crushed and makes it mj gives him the patented like yeah great job with the yeah. fist bump but doesn't care about him at all just like yeah, yeah great job it's like doesn't go help him up or anything like that just walks away it's like oh yeah that's great uh marvin the martian tells them that if they don't find a fifth player they have to forfeit thankfully bill murray comes in for the rescue and the announcer has a great moment or i think it was dan devito has a great moment where he's like i didn't know dan Aykroyd was in this picture <laughs> great guys great yeah that's a great line that's a great line what, what's bullshit about the Stan Podolak shot with Wayne Knight getting uh, crushed is that it, it credited him for two points on the box score but that was clearly a three that was like a half court he mm -hmm. wasn't it mm -hmm. like the ball just kind of like gets squished out of him when, once all the monsters pile up on him and then the ball just kind of shoots out from like half court they credit him for two points. Come on, you got to do better, Stanford or whoever did this. The Harvard, Stanford would have gotten it right. But Harvard, again, yeah, but again, exactly. the Martian, he's playing for for both sides. You know, sure. Uh, let's see. They need to score two points with ten seconds left. Murray tries to score to strategize, but MJ tells him it's simple: get Michael the ball. Uh, Bill gets the dunk. Excuse me, Bill gets the duck to go Daffy on one of the monsters, and the ball changes hands until it lands in the hands of Air Jordan, who scores, uh, who soars over the entire court and wills the ball to go in with a very, very long cartoonish arm and a dunk. And it works. They win 77 78. Bill decides to go on, out on top and takes this opportunity to retire. Uh, as Whackhammer kicks his team and tells them to go back to Moore Mountain. MJ reminds them, hey, you're kind of bigger than him now. You don't have to take that shit. Uh, so they're like, yeah, you're right. And they bounce his ass out. MJ asks them to touch the ball and give his friends their power back. And they reluctantly agree. Once they're small again, they ask the loonies if they can stick around. And Bugs tells them no. Uh, MJ tells, I don't know if he tells them no or not. I think I just, I just put that in there. Uh, MJ tells the team, he enjoyed playing with them because they got a lot of whatever it is they have. And Bugs and Lola make out again. Uh, the fans of MJ's double A baseball game start to get restless. And MJ soon lets it slip. Excuse me. MJ's son lets it slip that Mike is probably playing is still playing his other game. And his wife's like, what other game? And then they never ask a question about that again, thankfully, uh, because MJ flies in in a very cartoonish rocket ship and all is forgiven. Back at the high school gym, MJ gets all of his friends to touch his ball and they all get their talent back. Had to write that joke. One Barclay. thing that always annoyed me is that the ball, the magic ball animated lines, they don't match up with the real ball that he's holding in his hand. And I always noticed it as a kid. And like, they're just completely off. I don't know why they went for that. But like when he's holding the ball, you can see 
underneath the animation of like these are the actual like black lines around this sort of like orange basketball and the animated version they never ever lined up with it and i that always like stuck with me i was like Sorry, I we, we also blew past it. it and like y'all talking about like things that were uh, kind of fucked you up uh watching this as kids but like i'm gonna be honest this picture of jordan this right here with jordan with the long fucking arm always freaked me out and i like just look at that it was wild, Barry. Like, Bugs looked at him, he's like, you're in Looney Tunes world, anything can happen. It's just like, yeah. he knew right there. He's like, oh, like, I'm just going to super totally stretch my it. arm, totally, Yeah, like, they're in Looney Tunes land, I totally get it, but this is terrifying, this image right here. It is. Right moment. Um, of course, his friends are like, Michael, you know, you want to stick around and play some 303? Or three or three or three? And Michael's like, no, man, I'm a baseball player now. And then his friends do what any good friends would do, taunt him until he gives up his dream of being a baseball <laughs> player and comes back to the Bulls. Uh, we get one more scene with Bill Murray and Larry Bird, and then Fly Like an Eagle plays again for the 15th time. No, we don't just get And the credits roll. We don't just get one more scene. We get the best line of the movie. Let's go Bulls. <laughs> with <the laughs> yeah, voice. exactly. With the voice cracking. Like, that line has stuck with me my whole life. <laughs> I just, just fucking dynamite. love that. Dynamite. <laughs> just and give it, up on your dream. Give up on your dream, Bill. You're right. Let's go Bulls. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. Uh, here we go, everybody. It's almost ready. I promise I was ready. Seven syllables in the middle. You'll need five for the first and last line. If you're not poetic, no need to fret it. Haikus don't need to rhyme. Haiku in review. Haiku in review. You can go to patreon.com slash kind of funny to write your review in haiku form. Just like. Matt Batson did. He doesn't just bring facts. He brings haikus, baby. The goat of soundtracks. Based basketball Jones fucking slaps, but fuck R. Kelly. Michael Jordan lands a spaceship in Birmingham. Welcome to the jam. Oh, fuck yeah. You gotta the love jump, it. You really do. You gotta love it. Uh, Ignacio Rojas writes in and says, mostly here for Mike. Underutilize the tunes. Back in action is better. Nick, if you don't know, oh. Back in Action was the like semi sequel that they made in the early 2000s with Brendan okay. Fraser. Yes. Um, uh -huh. And Dharma oh. from Dharma and Greg. I don't know her real name. Jenna Elfman. Under Underrated PS2 game, Looney Tunes Back in Action. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Say no more about that. And a fact for you here though Space Jam A New Legacy is the first sequel to Space Jam, uh, it was not the first attempt, nor was Back in Action. Originally in the early 2000s, WB had planned for the Looney Tunes to team up with Jackie motherfucking Chan for a brand yeah. new feature called uh, Spy Spy Jam. That would have been dope. That, that would have been, been amazing. Wow. <laughs> uh, I, we, also, we also missed a segment. Were they born, born and live? Right. Now it's time to rank those abs. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to Rank Those Abs, the podcast within a podcast where we rank those abs. I'm kicking it over to my co-host, Andy Cortez, because I don't remember there being any shirtless parts here. Michael Jordan had his shirt off in a couple of sequences. Uh, not only when he's laying down in the hotel, uh, you could see his abs just beautiful and glistening and just mm. super defined. And then, obviously, when he's getting rid of the game, he's putting the jersey on mm -hmm. and kind of like you see the his chest kind of being covered by the jersey there you uh, go. It comes down. And he is so cut. This is like the best shape he's ever. You can tell he's always he's always in great shape yeah. uh, during his sort of prime. But this was like, oh, I got to get into movie shape, too. Oh, I yeah. also have to like dehydrate and do the thing that all the muscles <laughs> yeah. really do. Yeah, definitely. where there's just like they are vascular. You see every tendon Still in the muscles. Up. He was fucking ripped. I'm oh, gonna give him a ten out of ten. 
I want to give a shout out to how sweaty he was during the basketball game too, right? Like mm-hmm. he was just dripping. He looked like uh, the Rock in the Fast movies, or halfway through in that basketball game. So shout Always out to that dude. Sweaty. Yeah. Uh, we're not done with the haikus though. Uh, we got Lee Palera writing in so much bad acting, but it was still fun as hell. Murray for the win. Uh, Andrew Feisner says Jordan is the goat, and now Bill Murray's here. Charles is a good boy, and uh, miscellaneous, of course. The plot in haiku: Mike shoots for the sky. And he believes he can fly. Baseball goes awry. MJ's on the green, gets recruited to the team. One hell of a scheme. Soundtrack fucking slaps. Players wonder why they're crap. Lola's a thirst trap. First half down, they suck. But bugs get them all juiced up. Michael's secret stuff. Yes. Yeah. Well, the Toon Squad won. Talents back to everyone. Oh, and baseball's done. <laughs> yeah. 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 I love that beat. All right, cool. I'll just oh, quit. One thing I also <laughs> want to point out. Um, <laughs> we've got, by the way, the baseball, everyone in this organization is so lovely in this double A organization. And they're just so happy to have Michael Jordan yeah. there. He just goes, fuck you guys. I don't need to play baseball anymore. Oh, I'm a bull. He doesn't need to go play with the Barons anymore. One thing I want to point out about the, whoever commented about the acting being bad. The, the, thing, right. that I, the thing that I thought. In comparison to a lot of the other 90s movies we've done, the acting is on par. Like, you have these NBA actors acting badly because they're not actors. And it's like... The, they're also the, drugged. No. Wait, wait, what? Like, them acting badly, it's like, they're like, they lost their mojo. Like, I feel like it, yeah. it worked for the, the plot of the movie. Oh, sure. But, like, even when they're talking to the psychiatrist and stuff, and they're like, well, what are we going to do, Doc? Like, they, obviously, they're not actors, right? And that's totally fine. Because their acting is on par with so many of the actual actors in Mortal Kombat and so many of the actual actors in Ninja Turtles. Like, they, the acting was, like, similar in, in my opinion, where it's like, yeah, they weren't great, but they're NBA players. And they still kind of have similar below-average line delivery as a lot of the other people who are like, this is my profession <laughs> Exactly. I also think they're they're super well utilized too, because having Bill Murray and Wayne Knight there, I think added so much. And then to Tim's point, like every time they were used, the like Charles Barkley and that that whole group, it felt like they were used in a way where half the line delivery I thought was funny because they're meant to be like, you know, like what do you mean I'm not having performance at home or like you know like uh, that just no, it's real doc it actually happened like the, that line delivery. I think worked super well for the situation to make, make it actually funny. And the basketball player in this movie that had the most weight on them in terms of performance would have been Michael Jordan. And even Michael Jordan, I think, I it was great. It was played fun. a good Michael Jordan. You know, like I, yeah. I believed he was Michael Jordan. Like he did that well. And so I, I think it was a good job. I believed he was Michael Jordan. <laughs> <laughs> I believe uh, Michael Jordan. <laughs> Andy, hit me with Raggy Bagu. Do, 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 do. Ragu. Do, 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 do. Bagu. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Rad Guys Talk Bad Guys here for Space Jam in review. Uh, we don't really have any other ones on the list, so I guess we'll put Swackhammer and the Monstars. Mostly just the Monstars, because Swackhammer is yeah. utilized here. We'll just put them at number one for They're now. They're great. They're fun. I like Love them to see it. Love to see it. And of course, the rankings number one currently is Space Jam 1. Next week, no, not next week, later this week, uh, we're going to watch Space Jam, a new legacy, and we're going to add it to this list. Does it have any chance of dethroning this? I don't think so. Yeah, I don't I think, think it's it possible. But hey, let's see. Let's I see. think it can. It's got LeBron, Bron, y'all. I'm going to go yeah. on the opposite side. LeBron's He's bringing not, it. He's, it. He's bringing it. From, uh, you know, like, I, I got to rep- uh, represent the boy. I, I believe in Jordan or uh, LeBron. 
Uh, well, you said it first. Yeah. <laughs> you think the goon squad is gonna be higher on Ragu Bagu than the the Monstars? I don't my, think so. No. My prediction is that I think it's going to be a better overall movie, but it stays at number two just because the Space Jam number one is such an accomplishment. But I feel like they're already like they already are solving a lot of the problems that I had with the first one. Was that we're already seeing. Like uh, scenes in the trailers with the people, like the family at the game, and there's a lot more going on there. So I think yeah. we're gonna flesh out the characters a little bit more. Can't fucking wait. No matter what, good or bad, it's gonna be a fun time, and we hope that you will join us on this journey. Come on and slam. Welcome to the jam. Until next time, goodbye.